Blog Talk Radio. to you ladies and gentlemen and welcome to post time with mike and mike mike carter alongside of mike bozich and we are fresh off of a pre de paris uh weekend where bold eagle was upset by lionel and uh we want to quickly say thank you to everybody who tuned in who listened and who continue to listen on youtube we've got over a thousand hits on the youtube video that was posted uh mike bozich uh welcome well welcome to the program you're supposed to be here but but uh you know, t- talk about the pre de Paris a little bit. Well, it was a fun race to call, and like I said, and you know, I said it on the uh, pre de Paris show, and I'll say it now. It looked like Bold Eagle had the thing won, looping up three wide at the top of the stretch, uh, coming after uh, Bird Parker, who's been softened up, and uh, you know, Bold Eagle takes the lead. But the horse that he passed, the horse that was uncovered. Lionel, and how many times do you see this, Mike? How many times do you see a horse that's uncovered for that long of a time re-rally? And that's exactly what Lionel did. It looked like Lionel was beat. It looked like it was Bold Eagles to win or lose, and Lionel re-rallies, comes back, and gets the job done. Congratulations to the connections of a Lionel upsetting Bold Eagle in what was a thrilling uh, pre-the-parents event. Yeah, definitely. It was a lot of fun to watch and uh, a lot of fun to hear you call. And again, we just we appreciate all of you who sat down for a few minutes and tuned in. Uh, we were extremely happy with the show. And uh, Mike, I believe we're going to go through and do it for the Elite Lop as well. Yeah, and uh, I believe the rumor is that Mike Carter is going to have the call, but that's still under heavy <laughs> yeah. negotiations, though, Mike. You haven't signed the contract yet, but we're going to be working on that You know, within the next couple of weeks. Uh, we're yeah. going to be like Trump here. We're going to have to make a deal, Mike. That's, that's that's right. Well, Mike, we've got an action-packed show coming up. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Foiled Again and Wiggle and Jiggle it coming up here momentarily, but Rob Harmon is going to come on at 110. You have to apologize, or excuse my uh, – Excuse the title. I just changed it to Rob Harmon uh, from Don Harmon. Uh, Rob Harmon is the trainer of Pink Pistol. And I have been really watching this three-year-old filly. 
and uh, she has been just a sensational filly to watch over the past few weeks. Uh, we're also going to talk with Austin Siegelman, the young driver at the Meadowlands, who's had a lot, a lot of success. And Crystal Sarah from Michigan will be on as well. Mike, I tell you, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it'll be a good show. You know, Rob Harmon has a lot of Michigan ties as well. Back when I started in 2004 at Hazel Park, he was one of the leading trainers there. And uh, certainly if the climate of, uh, in Michigan would have been uh, better, uh, Robbie and a lot of the guys would have probably stuck around there. But uh, nonetheless, Rob's got a lot of Michigan ties. He had a lot of successful years there, made a very successful transition out east. And, uh, of course, we'll talk to him a little bit uh, more about that. Austin Siegelman, one of the great rising stars. And I'll tell you, Mike, a couple of weeks ago uh, in of course, I've been watching Austin for a while. You have, too. And you said, you know, we've got to get Austin on the show. He's just doing such a great job at the Meadowlands and wherever he drives. He's been driving at Freehold. Of course, got started at uh, actually Pocono, but was really successful at Monticello and Saratoga. And uh, so we'll have Austin on the show to uh, talk about his career. And uh, MHHA Treasure, Treasure of the Michigan Harness Horsemen's Association, Crystal Sarah, and I had a chance to sit down uh, and talk about the upcoming meet at Northville Downs. Uh, and uh, they've uh, actually got uh, quite a few racing days. They'll be racing Friday and Saturday this year. I think they were Wednesday, Thursday last year. So they'll be racing Friday and Saturday this year, which certainly should be a lot better off uh, handle-wise uh, for the harness group there. So we'll talk to Crystal Sarah and see what's ahead in Michigan in 2016, Mike. Well, Mike, uh, we've seen Foiled again qualify. We've seen Wiggle Jiglet qualify. And Wiggle Jiglet, uh, let's talk about him first. He had a little bit of a disappointing effort at Dover Downs yesterday. But the word on the street is that he jumped a shadow uh, going into the first turn. And for those of you who watched the Little Brown Jug feed, uh, Sam McKee made a comment that he uh, almost uh, fell on his head going into the first turn. So Wiggle and Jiggle has got a look, some issues to overcome, but I'll tell you, he really put into a, a decent effort. He still finished third. Uh, I believe the time for him was 155 and two off some decent fractions. I, I really don't see, uh, I, I really don't see an issue with it. Do you? No, not really. I mean, he was up seven and three quarters, and obviously something happened between that three quarters and the in the top of the stretch there, as you alluded to. Uh, still only lost by a length and three quarters, and really that wasn't a bad race that uh, he was against. You know, get it off your chest. Uh, was uh, a competitor at uh, Harris Philadelphia last year and was up in the high ranks. I mean, was up in the you know the now one is a fifteen thousand last five. May have got to the open a couple of times. So you know that's a pretty darn good horse, and there were some other good horses in that particular race as well. Uh, so you know, wiggle it. Jiggle was facing some pretty good company there, and he was up by seven to three quarters. Uh, obviously, I wouldn't see any reason to panic uh, for your Wiggle fans out there. It'll be interesting to see uh, what his next step is going to be, and maybe we'll try to get uh, George on in the next week or two to uh, see exactly what the plans are going forward. Definitely. Well, the other horse we really quickly wanted to talk about is uh, Foiled again, and Mike, I- I'll tell you. Who's he? Uh, yeah, who- who's Wiggle and Jiggle it? Um, yeah, or excuse me, geez, who's wiggling jiggling? Who's foiled yeah, who's again? Did you, did you know there was there, there, there's been two foiled again? Did you know that? No, I did not know that. The uh, so we've got an extra minute, real quick. I, I want to throw this out there. There was a wiggle it jiggle it. There's no race lines or anything available for. I mean, wiggle it. I got wiggle it jiggle it on the brain. Foiled again uh, in 1979. Sire was Mary Adiosen, and the dam was Raider Patrol. So that's just a kind of a fun fact. For you there there are two foiled again but foiled again uh qualified at <clears throat> excuse me uh it's pulling up now at the meadowlands back on february 26th 
was second, only beaten by a quarter of a length, but closed home in 27-1. and one. Not too bad of a qualifier, if you ask me. No, and another field that was very good as far as qualifying is concerned. Certainly no uh, no um, disappointment to lose to a horse of the quality of somewhere in L.A. And once again, these are only qualifiers, but it's really good to see these horses uh, starting to get back going, Mike. And, uh, you know, I think the qualifier went in 54. I think Foiled went in 54 and one. Made a good move at three quarters, finished uh, gaining second to somewhere in L.A. So I think that's a pretty good start to the 2016 meet for the ageless one. Yeah, I agree 100%. And for those of you who are wondering, the Meadowlands, they they actually post their qualifiers on or they stream them online. So uh, if you want to watch the qualifiers, you know, you know, foiled again, coming up in race number 12, yada, yada, yada. Uh, make sure that you check out the Meadowlands website. It is, there's a plethora of information out there. And I'll tell you what, Mike, it really, uh, it really bodes well for the better because then you can sit back and watch the qualifier on the Meadowlands website, and it, it provides a lot of insight. Uh, unfortunately, I was not able to see the qualifier at Dover, so you can't really take much other than the charted line. That's correct, Mike. Well, I'll tell you what. We'll uh, take our first time out. When we come back, we'll have Rob Harmon. You've got post time with Mike and Mike. We'll be back in just a moment. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. Every dream has a start. And this one is ours. To trot and pace fast. Faster than all the others. And maybe faster than any horse ever has. With every stride, 1,200 pounds of pure equine determination. In every turn, there's a tale. Every bet is a hope. No five-year returns, no annuities, 401ks, return on investment. Maybe they say that the odds are against you. But you know nothing great comes easy. Winners don't second guess. They sprint through openings and dig in deeper when the going's tough. No horse ever rides alone. The owners, the driver, the groom, and you. There are no sidelines here. The world is often full of many compromises, but not here. Not on this day, not in this race, not with this horse, not in this sport. Once you feel it, it becomes you. Once you become it, your dream becomes ours. This is Harness Racing. We welcome you to the Harness Racing Fan Zone. See it all for yourself. Feel it in all the passion Share that experience with others and be a part of it all. The Harness Racing Fan Zone puts you in the driver's seat.
We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike. We certainly appreciate you joining us on this Thursday afternoon. Right now, we're joined by trainer Rob Harmon. Robbie, certainly appreciate you joining us today, my friend. Yeah, that sounds great. You know, I got to tell you a little story, Mike Carter, and uh, and the rest of our listenership. A quick story about Robbie Harmon. Now, Robbie and I go back a little bit. I started at Hazel Park in 2004. And I uh, went down there. I moved from Indiana to Michigan in 2004, and I was driving this old, beat-up, rusty blue Nova that probably should have been in the junkyard five years prior. Do you remember this, Robbie? No, I do not. I we, oh, you'll remember it in a second. I was for those of you that don't know at Hazel Park, the paddock. You actually have to go across a road. You have to go into a chute before you go onto the racetrack. So you usually have to stop uh, and watch the horses cross before you can proceed in your car. So I just got hired. I might have met Robbie once or twice because I was working in the race office at the time. And Rob Harmon's horse was going across the chute, and I'm sitting there with my uh, Nova trying to keep the thing running to get it across. And uh, so Robbie Harmon looks back at me, sees me. He goes, good grief, Mike, don't they pay you better than that? (laughs) <laughs> so anyway i figured i'd share that story because i'll tell you this this nova this i'm telling you this thing has had it but uh, it lasted it always started always ran i don't know how but uh anyway i figured i'd start it on that note robbie but uh, anyway we're going to get in the pink pistol you've got a fantastic uh three-year-old philly trotters just doing wonderful things we'll talk about her in just a second but let's go back to the formative years of rob Harmon. how'd you get started i got started back uh well, it was it was back when my dad was still alive. Uh, me and my brother Don, um, we just had our family farm there in South Line, Michigan, and uh, we just had a bunch of fifteen hundred two climbers. And um, my dad, he did most of the shoeing. Me and Don did all the jogging and training, and that was when we were right right in grade school. And of course, and, Michigan uh, Michigan based trainer, and uh, you know you you were talk talk about the Michigan days a bit. I know, like I say, you were uh, when I got there back in two thousand and four. You were right always at the at the top of the ranks at, at Hazel Park yeah. in uh, Northfield. No, Downs. it was it was fun. Um, that was right when you came. That was right when I got an owner called Chuck Campbell. Um, uh, he I got a bunch of horses from him, and uh, I started racing down there full time. And um, it, it, racing was really good. And then I usually went back. Back and from uh, Windsor to, to Hazel Park, we did the, the Hazel Park meet in the summertime, and then uh, wintertime I stayed over at uh, at Windsor, and it was really good back then. I mean, everybody was doing okay at that time. Now, Rob, I know we've seen some of your family. Uh, I, I worked at Colonial uh, Colonial Downs for a while. Uh, did, did you ever get to get, go down there and just kind of enjoy one turn mile just a little bit and tell us a little bit no, about I what never... that was like? I never did. Uh, my brother Don was down there. I always wanted to go there, but it just seems like the meet was just, it was never worth for me to go down there. It was only a, a short meet, and uh, it, it looked like it was a fun place to go. Visiting with trainer Rob Harmon. Rob will uh, get to the transition out east in uh, just a minute that you successfully pulled off a couple of years ago. But, uh, you know, Rob, getting back to the Michigan days, I mean, you had some great Michigan. Talk about some of the great Michigan horses that you had throughout the years. I had a horse called Kayla's Raider. She was a Michigan State champion at three. She was really nice. And then uh, then back and forth, we used to go back and forth to Ohio, and I had a horse called CeCe Spice, and she was the Ohio State champ at uh, two and three. And uh, both of those horses were owned by Chuck Campbell. They were homebreds. So um, it, it was nice back then. Uh, and we Back then, we had a bunch of New Zealand horses, too. We were bringing a bunch. I think Chuck bought close to over three or four years, like 
20 to 30 uh, New Zealand horses, and pretty much all of them turned out really decent. Now, Robbie, obviously the the climate in Michigan racing uh, kind of took a turn for a worse there. I mean, it was it was so. Uh, I mean, it was on the bubble for a couple of years there, and we were going to get slots, and we got turned down. We didn't, and we were going to get them again, and we didn't. The Hazel Park built a brand new building back there, and and I believe it's still sitting there with uh, without a floor. To be honest, with you. I don't think there's anything back there. When uh, did you make the decision that it's time to move out east for greener pastures? Uh. Right at the end of 2009, um, I had two decent horses, and uh, Chuck uh, was the owner. He said they were going to go out east because uh, he couldn't make much money because Windsor was starting to decline also. And uh, Chuck just said that they're going to go out, and uh, they might not come back. So if you want to keep them, you need to go. So I sent my wife out there, Patty. She went out for the first couple of weeks, and, and uh, she was getting homesick. So I said, why don't we just switch out, and I'll come out there and, and – uh, then once I was out there, I, I got in touch with uh, Karma Racing, Paul Mandel. He, I used to train for him. He found out I was still out there and at stable at the Meadowlands. That, that was when we could still stable there at the time. And uh, then we just started collecting more horses, and I started getting rid of the ones back home and, you know, kind of made a transition out here. Visiting with trainer Rob Harmon. And, Rob, that was one of the interesting things because even as the purses and the days were drying up in Michigan, there were still a lot of places to race. I mean, you know, for, for some of your cheaper horses, you, you could have went to Toledo or Windsor was right across the way. I mean, Sarnia was there. There were still a lot of racing opportunities that were somewhat close to the Michigan area, and I think that kept a lot of Michigan uh, horsemen around. But, Rob, talk a little bit about the transition. I mean, you, you know, you took some horses out there. You obviously got some horses uh, out there you know you spent more time out there talk how smooth or difficult the transition was actually out east well it was it was real hard at first um i I was coming back and forth every two weeks that's a about a 10-hour shift and uh i was just driving i had uh, just five at the meadowlands that i was doing them myself and then uh, once i got more horse i had i started asking my help back home if they wanted to come out here and i told them you know over the next year i want to kind of like reverse everything have every have five at home and have 15 to 20 out here and that's what we ended up doing but it took a little longer than that and uh it was, it was just tough because my my wife and my son was he was playing hockey he couldn't come out and uh you know when you're at that level playing hockey back then he was only 12 or 13 but you're playing triple a in detroit i was flying or doing something i always wanted it just just seems like he was growing up and and uh before i know it he's taller than me you know it just it was just one of those deals where uh the horse race in, in Michigan made me move away and provide for my family. So, Now, uh, Rob, we, I've been following this horse, Pink Pistol, for the last couple of weeks. Uh, she kind of, uh, you know, was she immature at two? Uh, I see she's only got one start, and she's really, really done well against older horses and the males uh, this year at the Meadowlands and the Meadows. Yeah. Last year, I got a phone call from uh, Night Stalker Stable. He's a partner of mine. And they said they were interested in buying this trotter uh, off Brad Maxwell. And uh, they said Brad gave up on her. He, she, They wanted to turn her out. And uh, they said, we think we can keep going with her. So we ended up buying her for 6000 last year. They sent her down from Canada after Brad moved back up from Florida. And uh, I, qual- I qualified her. She qualified okay. And then uh, I raced her one time and I drove her myself because I just, I like sitting behind the babies once or twice before uh, turning them over. And, she went from really good at Pocono to two weeks later at Vernon. She was just horrible. She couldn't trot two feet. And uh, 
I told him, let's just stop with her. And uh, that's what we did. We just kind of like, then we said, uh, let's, let's try to get her ready and do another horse that did okay at uh, the Meadows. <clears throat> and uh, I said, let's try to hit that PA sired uh, early closer, late closer there. And that's what kind of like what we were doing. I did not think she would come back as she did. Um, she didn't get no taller. She got a little longer. She's like, she's below average, small. And, uh, but she presents herself huge on the track. She's put in a, uh, some really big efforts against some, you know, again, like I said, older and uh, against the male counterparts. Do you think that she might be uh, stakes quality come toward maybe June, July, or August? Um, it's real early. I mean, if you have to ask me now, I'd say yeah, but, I mean, th- there's so many good ones that's not even close to qualifying that, you know, they come back as powerhouses. I mean, there's they're just so many nice horses out there. I just hope she can uh, just hold her own, and, and uh, there's enough money out there. I think we can grab, grab a little bit of it anyway. All right, Rob Harmon, uh, trainer, that's who we're visiting with now on Post Time with Mike and Mike, and obviously we're looking forward to uh, Pink Pistol in 2016. Uh, what else is ahead in the 2016 for one Rob Harmon? Uh, just just trying to work and stay, stay above ground, that's all. I mean, we, we go – Pocono's opening up here, and Saratoga opens up Saturday, so or uh, Friday, so we're going to be racing a bunch of places. Yeah, you got a lot of uh, race tracks uh, opening up now. Uh, getting away from racing a little bit, Rob, and, and following you on Facebook, uh, I see your son's a pretty darn good hockey player, huh? Yeah, he's not bad. I mean, he's doing pretty good. Uh, they were down in down in Mid Jersey last night, and they were going to the state championships on Monday at the Prudential Center. So that's that's their third time going there. And then uh, we were up in University of Vermont. Uh, two weeks ago, it looks like that might be a good spot. And uh, there's just a lot of things rolling now that he's getting ready to graduate from high school. There's a lot of teams that are reaching out to him. Any NHL aspirations? No, not yet. Not yet. Uh, USHL uh, in Chicago, They, I mean, that's an option. looks like towards the end of the month we got to go out there. And uh, it's just like I said, it, things are really rolling for him, and I'm real happy. He puts it – I mean, he works just as hard as he does there that I do in my business. So. Proud Papa family, that's what it's all about. Rob Harmon, yeah. uh, trainer's got a great one, Pink Pistol, coming up in 2016. Rob, we certainly look forward to uh, watching a race, and we're looking forward to uh, watching you train and continued success out east, my friend. All right, Mike. All right, that was uh, Rob Harmon. We certainly appreciate him jo- joining us. And, Mike, you uh, you caught this Pink Pistol horse. Uh, you-, you picked him out qu- uh, quite early. Yeah, it's it's a it's a her. <laughs> Sorry for the. Oh yeah, her. That's what I meant. Her. Right yeah. Uh, she, I tell you, she raced back at the Meadowlands uh, back on February 12th, and I heard Sam McKee, you know, talking about you know this this three year old filly against the boys, this three year old filly against older horses, and I said, you know what, I got to watch this race, and I mean, just she closed home in 28 seconds, finished in 154 and three, and I can promise you, you're not going to get nine to one on her. Uh, at least not for the uh, next couple of races, because she's definitely won easy uh, at the Meadowlands and at the Meadows. And I tell you, picking up on these little two and three year old horses, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun to watch. You've got a sharp eye, my friend, a very sharp eye. We've got a lot more to come on Post Time with Mike and Mike. Uh, rising star driver Austin Siegelman will be joining us in just a couple of minutes. And also on deck, we've got the treasurer of the Michigan Harness Horsemen's Association, Crystal Saren. She's going to be joining us to talk about the upcoming 2016 meet at Northfield Downs. We'll be back after this. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike. 
This is Mike Bozich with Harness Racing's newest podcast, Post Time with Mike and Mike. Our goal is to positively promote the sport of harness racing. Every horse has a story to tell, whether a claimer or a stakes horse, and we plan on telling those stories here on this program. If you would like to advertise on Post Time with Mike and Mike, send us an email at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com for more information. Also, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at ptmikeandmike1. Listen to a brand new broadcast every Thursday at 1 p.m. Any prior episodes can be listened on demand as well. Log on to www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash ptmikeandmike. Once again, that's www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash ptmikeandmike. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich and Austin Siegelman will be joining us here in just a couple of minutes. But, Mike, real quick, we want to take some uh, time to thank a couple of our sponsors, uh, the Friends of Maryland Standard Breads. And uh, I'll tell you, they have really done a lot in Maryland with Rosecroft and Ocean Downs. Uh, they've helped out a little bit with the riding under saddle. And they, do, they just do a lot of good out there. We talked with um, the people who helped run the Maryland uh, Horse Council last week, and there was just a lot of good information from there. Yeah, we had uh, Ross Pettigord on, the executive director of the Maryland uh, Horse Industry Board on last week. A lot of good information that we got from Ross. And one of the things I think a lot of people don't realize, Mike, uh, especially racing fans, maybe some of the people that are just, you know, so focused on the racing. A lot of people don't realize how much of an impact uh, as far as agriculture goes, that horse racing has on a particular state, and not only a, a particular state, Mike, but across the country. And I think that, uh, you know, Ross Pettigrew had a chance to talk a little bit about that position last week and uh, how much of an economic driver that the sport of harness racing and horse racing in general is. I mean, you talk about farms and feed and, uh, you know, equipment and uh, the horses themselves, getting them back and forth to the racetrack and all the jobs that the uh, horse racing industry employs. Uh, so it was, you know, good to hear from Ross. And, uh, you know, Maryland is, is like many other states that uh, horse racing is such an economic driver. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, uh, Mike, we certainly have to uh, remind our legislature of that. And, you know, another good point that was had, and I don't think Ross made it, but I think it might have been on Facebook a couple of days ago about – you know, you've got these term limits and you've got, uh, you know, two and four years constantly revolving uh, state politicians. So it really is an exhaustive effort, Mike, in each and every state to keep the legislature aware of racing, because, you know, a lot of times you'll educate and, and, and we aren't an easy business, Mike. It's not an easy game. It's very complicated. And, you know, you educate a congressman or a senator or an assemblyman, and by the time that you've that you've educated him to the good that the sport does, he gets he's out either by term limits or he doesn't get elected, and some other guy or gal comes in. So you have to the process begins all over again. So it really is an exhaustive, exhaustive effort uh, by the horse racing industry to keep uh, politicians informed. Yeah, definitely. I know in Virginia they had a uh, to deal with that as well with the governor's office. Uh, you could only run once. And you couldn't run for consecutive terms. 
So if you won, you had to beat somebody else do it, and then you could run again. So it was it, it was always kind of I don't want to call it in limbo, but it, it was always somebody new in office. So uh, it's good to see that the Maryland Horse Council is taking such a uh, giant leap to help out uh, horse racing in Maryland. Yeah, and Clarissa and Friends of Maryland Standardbreds have certainly a big, big role in that, uh, you know, to keep legislators uh, educated as far as our business is concerned. Uh, and uh, we also, uh, you know, want to thank uh, Winnie Nemeth uh, from New Vocations uh, on her continuing sponsorship of this program, Post Time with Mike and Mike. I mean, they've done great things. It's very, very important. We've talked about on this show time and time again how important it is to take care of our horse racing warriors and our equine athletes after they retire, after their days are done. And that's where Winnie and that's where new vocations come in. They do a fantastic job of finding a lot of these horses homes and uh, good homes. And, you know, if you go on their website, some of the great ones like activator who uh, was a post-time award winner, uh, you know, uh, just a, uh, finding that horse a home and finding all these horses homes, um, you know, after their days are done, are certainly huge. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you, that's all a part of the legislative process too, Mike, because it's showing that the sport and the business does care about the, the equine athletes. Yeah, definitely. Well, Mike, the next thing I want to touch on real quick um, while we wait for Austin is Aaron Merrill picked up his 8,000th career victory um, at Northfield Park. And I had the luxury of being able to go out there with uh, the assistant general manager to help give him a sign and you should have seen how happy him and his family were Aaron works so hard day in day out week in week out he goes to the Meadows and then he drives up to Northfield I'll tell you I don't know how he does it no, Aaron's a really good guy, too. He's a real good ambassador for the industry. Um, you know, 8,000 career wins. There's going to be a lot more wins, uh, you know, before Aaron Merriman decides to hang it up. He's still a young guy. He's a great driver. He's been uh, in Ohio and in Northfield Park for quite a long time. And when the Meadows added slots, he started to go back and forth. So now he's doing the day-night thing, as a lot of these drivers are, Mike. A lot of these drivers across the country are starting to do the day-night thing. And, and uh, you know, that's a testament to these guys, a testament to their stamina. And, uh, you know, hats off to uh, Aaron Merriman, 8,000 career wins. Well, Mike, I, I did a quick stat. Are you, are you ready for this? He's had 47,000. He's had 47,000 lifetime starts, okay? He's in the money 46.4% of the time. 46.4%. That is unreal, uh, even in our game. Yeah, oh, it certainly is. And, uh, you know, like I say, I mean, Heron's just been getting out there. He's been getting it done. Uh, a very high win percentage, you know, throughout his career. And, uh, you know, he's driven, you know, Northfield, the thing about Northfield, Mike, um, is that, you know, there's kind of a before slots and an after slots. But one of the things about Northfield that they've been able to do is they've been able to maintain their racing days, um, you know, which which has certainly helped. And it's kept some of their good drivers around, and it's attracted some of the good drivers, like Ronnie Wren Jr. coming from Michigan. Uh, you know, what an addition to that driving colony he's been. Um, you know, you've got guys, uh, you know, coming in and out. I mean, it's a terrific driving colony, and Aaron has seen a lot of different types of competition, a lot of different types of driving styles. And then he's got to do the whole 5 
relates to the half mile thing. I mean, you know, you're, you're racing on a half mile, then you go to the five eighths, then you go back to see so you got different, you know, track surfaces and different track uh, makeups to, uh, you know, distances and all that to, to try to overcome. So it really keeps you on your toes. And it uh, and I think Aaron alluded to that when we had him on the show a couple of weeks ago, that it definitely does make you a better driver, Mike, when you've got to deal with that on a consistent basis. It keeps you on your toes. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, Mike, real quick, I want to touch on something um, that I have just seen come across. The Meadowlands moved their qualifiers to Saturday morning, uh, March the 5th at 930 due to forecasted inclement weather on Friday uh, when the qualifiers were supposed to be scheduled. So uh, anybody who may be listening, maybe looking for those qualifiers on their website, as we alluded to earlier, they've been moved from Friday to Saturday at 930. And today live racing is scheduled for Friday and Saturday at 6. All right. Well, I, uh, we're going to, we talked with a little bit with Crystal Sarah, um, Sorry, Mike. Excuse I missed me. your question. I, I was I was uh, talking to Austin off the air. <laughs> no, you're, you're quite all right. No, I was going to say we're, we talked with Crystal Sarah. She's going to come up mo- momentarily. But joining us now is Austin Siegelman, and Austin Siegelman is one of the up and coming drivers in harness racing. Austin, thanks for joining the program. And thank you. Now, now Austin, uh, you've had a ton of success out at the Meadowlands. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about how you got started and where you drive on a regular basis. Um, I kind of just got started hooking up with Chris Marino a little bit at Pocono, and, uh, I, you know, I think I got a little lucky this year at the Meadowlands. He brought some nice horses, and I didn't really expect to do any good there, but like I said, trips worked out, got a little lucky, and good thing it did. <laughs> <laughs> Austin, who are some who are some of the guys when you when you were kind of growing up? Who are some of the drivers that uh, you looked you looked up to in the business, perhaps to give you some advice, or just maybe even just looked up to as uh, kind of idol figures, if you will? Well, because I grew up at Pocono, uh, you know, I grew up watching George Knapp, Joe Pavia, Jim Morrill, those guys. You know, I tried to soak in what they were doing on the racetrack and kind of base myself off them. Now, Austin, um, looking over your stats, you've had 532 career wins. Uh, you've made over a million dollars the last two years. Uh, what do you attribute to that success? Is it just kind of learning from guys like Jim Morrow and Joe Pavia, or is it kind of trying to develop yourself a little bit? Uh, I, I mean, it helped that I, I drove with them before I was ready. So I, I learned a lot from those guys, and then I went to Monty and learned from, from good people. But, you know, a lot of that success is, like I said, I drive for Chris Marino, who has a 25-horse stable and has good horses in the barn. And, you know, I'm lucky because he likes me, his owners like me, and, you know, we work really well together. So he's got me started a lot of places. Austin, tell us a little bit about your first drive. I think everybody remembers the first time they sat behind a racehorse. What was your experience like? Ah, <laughs> uh, it wasn't too good. I just kind of went around the track. I didn't really have a horse that was any stock, but uh, yeah, it was definitely a, a thrill. It's, it's an adrenaline rush going anytime you go behind the gate, and uh, I loved it. Austin Saratoga is opening up. Uh, are, is there any horses that you're looking forward to drive out there or are you excited for that meet to kick or kick off? Oh, yeah. Uh, I've been waiting all winter for the 
Saratoga meet to come. <laughs> it, it, it's it's nice, you know, because I get to drive a horse in the open every week, Spinorama up here, and he's just a nice old class horse, him, Campanile, you know. 2013 Ushua Rising Star, Rising Star Award winner that certainly had the feel good Austin following in the uh, footsteps of uh, a couple of other younger drivers that have really found their way and are making their way uh, through the ranks Joe Bongiorno, Jimmy Marone among others how did that feel to win that award yeah it was definitely an honor but uh, I, I don't think I had much competition for it honestly I'm, I'm a pretty competitive guy I wish there was more people my age when I got that you know, you know what I'm saying, right? Absolutely. You know, you, that's interesting. You, you talk about age, um, and obviously, you know, you, some of the guys that you've grown up draw, uh, watching, you know, the Jim Morrell, George Napolitano Jr., some of them guys. And then, of course, you've got the younger, uh, you know, group of drivers, guys that are in their early 20s, late teens. Now, from your perspective, do you notice a difference uh, in the way the veterans drive now that you've driven against the likes of John Campbell and Tim Tietrich versus uh, the style of some of the younger guys like yourself? Oh, yeah. Those guys, they're, they they never have an anxious moment on the track. You know, they're always very patient. They wait, they wait, they wait. Versus, you know, a guy like me, if I'm driving at the Meadowlands, they're kind of looking to to bury me. When, when the cover comes, they're not waiting on me. They wait on, you know, who they think – for the better drivers, which most of the time is what you do, but it, it's really just patience with those guys. They know they're going to find a seam late and versus where I have to be out and going. Otherwise, I, you know, I'm worried I'm not going to be able to get through or find a spot in the lane. Of course, driving at Monticello, driving at Saratoga, making the transition to the big track at the Meadowlands. What was that transition like for you as far as driving style is concerned? Uh, that's definitely tough because on the half it's, you know, just go and versus at the Meadowlands where it's just, you have to just sit there and wait a little bit. And, you know, if you get away in the three hole at the Meadowlands, it's not a bad spot to be versus you get away the three hole and a half. It's, you know, it's pretty much a death spot because you'll never see the outside unless you pull first over. So Visiting that definitely with 20- a little bit of time. Visiting with 23-year-old driver Austin Siegelman, certainly on the rise. Uh, Austin, tell us a little bit how you, a lot of different drivers have different ways that they prepare for each individual race. How do you uh, prepare for a race? Uh, well, I think one of my strong points is I, I'm pretty good at reading a program because I grew up in the business and I always, you know, I was always staring at a program every night. So that's how I prepare. I study. You know, the funny thing about when you, we talk to a lot of these drivers on the show, the funny thing about it is that, you know, you, you study a program. It's obviously a necessity for uh, really any driver. And then you get out there and the race starts and it can change in an instant. So you really have to be on your toes because horses that you may not figure leave reading the program leave and horses that maybe you think will leave don't leave. So you really have to be, uh, I think, on your toes. Do you make a lot of um, – decisions uh off the fly do you or on the fly i should say at the starting gate uh as a meadowlands yes uh, on the half not really because you don't have that long to decide but at the meadowlands you can definitely take a look over and see who's leaving and then decide to go versus you know on the half if, if you think you have to go on the program you just have to to straight roll them 
Going to put you on the spot now, Austin. There's a lot of great harness races out there, and we had a lot of different answers from all the drivers that we've asked this question to. But what's the dream race to win for one Austin Siegelman? <laughs> the dream race? The um, race, if you had to pick one. See, I, I couldn't really pick one. I don't, I don't really know. Well, I'll tell you, we've I, gotten a lot of different answers, but you know the most common answer we've got, Austin, is the next race. <laughs> <laughs> the next race. Yeah, that's, that's a good answer. <laughs> what would you say the best horse you've driven so far is? Best horse I've driven. Uh, the best horse that I was driving on, like, a consistent basis was Ronnie Bugatti. won the messenger at three. I didn't drive him, but he came up to Saratoga. And I drove him every week in the open. Just a, a nice horse. Can go either way, versatile. Away from race. track record up here. Yes, yes, he did. Away from racing, Austin. You got any uh, hobbies, any sports fan or anything? Uh, lately, no hobbies. It's just kind of race. That's it. Yeah, that's a, certainly a lot of the popular answers, I mean, especially if you've got the, the day-night tracks. Mike Carter and I were just talking. Austin Siegelman, listen, we really appreciate you joining us. We're a big fan of your work. We love watching you drive out there and uh, continued success here in 2016. So what, what, what's upcoming for 2016, by the way? What uh, what are we trying to accomplish here this year? Uh, that's a good question. I'm, I, I think I'm just going to stay at Saratoga. I'd like to, uh, you know, I'd like to try to be the leading driver here, but uh... – I might go to Pocono during the week. I'm not sure yet. All right. Austin, Austin, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend, and uh, we'll certainly be watching you through uh, out 2016 and beyond. All right. Thank you very much. All right, thank you. That was the voice of one of the young guns in this sport, Mike Carter, Austin Siegelman, uh, 23-year-old uh, superstar. And, you know, like I said, he was a 2013 Ushua Rising Star Award winner following in some very good footsteps with Joe Bongiorno and Jimmy Marone and some others. And we see these guys now, their career was really taken off. And uh, Austin Siegelman, much of the same for him. I mean, he's, you know, he's bringing a young, fresh driving style out there, and he's having a lot of success. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I'll tell you, it, it's not easy to just walk into the Meadowlands and just start driving and have a ton of success. So it's nice to see one of the younger guys uh, get in there and uh, really do well against some of the big guys. Well, Mike, when we come back, we're going to hear from the treasurer of the Michigan Artists Horsemen's Association, Crystal Sarah. You've got post time with Mike and Mike. We'll be back in a moment. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. Back with post time with Mike and Mike, and we're visiting with the treasurer of the Michigan Harness Horsemen's Association, Crystal Sarah. Crystal, we certainly appreciate you joining us once again on post time with Mike and Mike. Oh, thank you. Great to be here. Crystal, Northfield Downs is getting ready to start. Uh, I believe their opening day is Friday, March 18th. First of all, how long is the meet, and uh, what days do you guys race? So this year, our meet is going to be 60 days. Uh, Fridays and Saturdays with post time at 7 p.m. And what can we look forward to as far as the 2016 meet at Northville Downs is concerned? So what we're looking to do this year, uh, I know 
probably a couple of people saw we had some late closing series for Michigan bred and Michigan fired horses that kind of all went at the end of last year's meet. We're looking to do that again this year, only spreading them out throughout the course of the meet. So you'll be able to look at the MHHA's website or the condition sheet at Northville Downs for information on what those conditions look like. Uh, they're going to be um, put out, you know, every couple, every month or so. If they fill, we'll race them. If they don't, uh, we might combine races just to try and get some more money for our Michigan bred or Michigan fired horses along with hopefully a couple opens and things like that. And, of course, one of the interesting things now, Crystal, is that you guys are going to be racing on Friday and Saturday night, which means uh, you guys will be racing the nights uh, of the days the Triple Crown races are going. Is that correct? Yes, yes, and I think that will definitely be a huge help to our handle numbers. Uh, when we went and raced on Wednesdays and Thursdays, we kind of saw a dip in our live handle. Hopefully racing on Fridays and Saturdays, we can work to you know increase increase it a little bit more and we'll be racing during the summer months too in the Northville area so hopefully that brings a little more people in from the downtown area to come out and enjoy the races during the better weather. And, of course, we're certainly hoping that the weather cooperates for opening day. And you never know what you're going to get in Michigan on March 18th. You could have three feet of snow. It could be 75 degrees. We're certainly hoping for the latter. Crystal, talk a little bit about the purse pool. What uh, kind of money are uh, Michigan horsemen going to be going for? Uh, we're estimating right now that they're going to go somewhere between forty dollars and $50,000 a night, depending on the conditions that they'll. And what about some of the advertising initiatives? I've you know seen you post some things on Facebook and Twitter and social media. Uh, what about some of the advertising initiatives that uh, you guys are working together to do? So we're working together right now on trying to finalize some details with the Metro Times, which is an online publication here that we worked with last year, uh, to try and do some more banner ads with them and click campaign ads. So we're working on finalizing those details. We're also in the beginning stages of looking at advertising in the local movie theaters. So uh, when you go to the theaters nowadays, uh, on top of previews that you get for the movies, you also kind of get local businesses uh, advertising. And so we're kind of looking at what that might cost and, and what the rates would be for that and, and can we get it to go the whole um, length of our meets. There's two big blockbusters coming out, Batman vs. Superman and the new Avengers, uh, or Captain America movie, I think it is. So we'll know those will be sold-out shows and they'll be captive audiences and what a great way to, to put harness racing right in front of their faces while they're waiting for the movie to start. Visiting with Crystal Sarah, the treasurer of the Michigan Harness Horsemen's Association. Now, Crystal, I've also been uh, watching on uh, Facebook and Twitter that uh, you've guys you got some pretty nice-looking T-shirts uh, for Michigan Harness Racing. You want to tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, sure. So uh, in, in an effort to kind of raise some, some marketing capital from the horsemen and, and just from people in general that want to help support the industry, we kind of came up with this idea for these shirts, which are very, very simple. You know, it's the state of Michigan and, and a pacer. And um, I, had, I had a sample shirt printed out for myself just to kind of see it. I wore it around town to kind of some shows met. And I had more people stop me and ask me about racing than I, than I would have expected. So I thought, wow, what a great way. To, to support Michigan racing, support marketing initiatives, for us to be able to go to the track and, and say we want to market with you and have some funds available, and then just to be good advertising for people to either come to the track and, and get the word out there that there is racing, because we still struggle with not a lot of people realizing that we still have horse racing here in Michigan. Now, you'll be able, we're, after this program, uh, you'll be able, we're going to share 
uh, your links that you've been putting up as far as the T-shirts are concerned. So uh, check on our social media, Post Time with Mike and Mike, on Twitter and Facebook. And, of course, at the end of this interview, we'll tell you where you can follow uh, Crystal on Twitter and Facebook as well. Crystal, let's change gears uh, for just a moment. The MHHA Award Banquets were at the end of January, and uh, obviously a couple of uh, names from me that were very familiar, of course, me being in Michigan for 10 years, uh, that were inducted into the Michigan Harness Horsemen's Association Hall of Fame. Now, a couple of horses, first of all, Lockkeeper and Midnight Jewel. Can you talk about them for a minute? Sure. So um, Lockkeeper was, was a hard-hitting horse. He stood here in Michigan for several years and had, I think, a couple state champions himself. Uh, so great, great trotter there. And then Midnight Jewel, um, what a hard-knocking pacing there. Um, was always there right in the opens and, and the invites at Hazel Park. Um, always a tough contender to be in. And, you know, she's got um, one of her foals, uh, Night Pro, is a huge, hugely competitive horse. I mean, I've raced against him and kind of just you cringe when I knew I was in with them because I, I knew it was going to be a tough a tough battle with them. So uh, really two great, great inductees. And, and I was at the banquet, obviously, and, and, you know, the people that accepted these awards on their behalf, I mean, you could certainly tell it meant a lot to them. Yeah, Midnight Jewel is certainly one of my favorite horses. Lockkeeper, great, great horse as well. Some of the uh, names that were inducted into the Michigan Harness Horsemen's uh, Association Hall of Fame include a couple of names, uh, three names that I'm very familiar with, and of course you are too. One being Kelly Goodwin, fantastic trainer. Another being a fantastic driver, leading driver in Michigan for a long, long time, uh, Brad Kramer. And uh, Patty Guyra, talk about them if you will. Yeah, all really great, great um, inductees, all very well-deserving. Um, I actually uh, kind of all got my start with all of them. Patty Guyra, um, you know, set the breeding standard here in Michigan, and uh, she had the Great Lakes Sales Company, and when I was up at Michigan State, I remember going, I want to figure out how I can go work there for the sale, and, and sure enough, I contacted Patty, and, and she said, yeah, come out and work for us, and so the last couple of years of the sale, that was what I went out and did, and it was always exciting to see the quality horses that she brought there, and the, and the care and the pride she took in getting them there, and then watching them. I always would pick out the ones I thought might go for a good amount of money and see what they'd you know, do later in on the track, so... Uh, definitely a, a, a great person to, to be inducted. And Kelly and Brad, you know, I, those are kind of the two guys that helped me out when I started, you know, really buying horses. So Kelly is who I had my first horse with and, and still have horses with them, and Brad was our driver. So, you know, just really great people and, uh, you, know, honest, you know, always giving honest opinions on, on where I thought things should go and just two, two really good people, and you could tell it meant a lot to all of them. Uh, you know, in front of their peers to, to be accepted into the Hall of Fame. Treasurer of the MHHA joining us, Crystal Sarah. Crystal, uh, let's uh, switch gears yet once again, and uh, let's get into a little bit of more uh, personal topic. How's uh, my guy Bold Decision doing? He's doing good. He actually just uh, clinched the win at Northfield, uh, scooted up the passing lane and, and, and got the win for us. So uh, good to see him. He's back in Monday at Northfield. He drew the seven hole. Uh, I guess we weren't going to draw the inside more than once. So no big deal. So hopefully he'll be, he'll be you know back in the winner's circle on Monday. We'll see. All right. And uh, for those uh, people that are on social media, where can they follow uh, Crystal Sarah? Uh, they can follow me at uh, Chasing Dreams with a with an N, so C H uh, A S E N Dreams on social media. There, um, so 
Decision has his own Facebook page, so you can find him there, uh, or you can look me up on, uh, I'm on Facebook as well, just under Crystal Sarah. Fantastic. Crystal, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us on uh, Post Time with Mike and Mike. And uh, Northfield Downs gets underway March 18th. They'll be racing a Friday, sat- a Saturday schedule all throughout the summer. So if you have a chance, uh, if you're in the Michigan area, and if not, give Northfield Downs a look because there's always good racing there. And, uh, Crystal, we uh, look forward to a fantastic meet in Michigan here in 2016. Great. Me too. This is Mike Bozich with Harness Racing's newest podcast, Post Time with Mike and Mike. Our goal is to positively promote the sport of harness racing. Every horse has a story to tell, whether a claimer or a stakes horse, and we plan on telling those stories here on this program. If you would like to advertise on Post Time with Mike and Mike, send us an email at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com for more information. Also, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at PT Mike and Mike One. Listen to a brand new broadcast every Thursday at 1 p.m. Any prior episodes can be listened on demand as well. Log on to www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash PT Mike and Mike. Once again, that's www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash PT Mike and Mike. And thanks so much for listening. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. We've got a few extra minutes left. So, Mike, let's talk Pompano. Uh, Pompano has got a huge card coming up uh, this weekend, including uh, some very big trotters in their invitational uh, handicap, uh, including Wind of the North, Crazy About Pet, and Natural Herbie. Yeah, some great horses there. Natural Herbie, of course, uh, one of those horses that you could never throw out. Uh, showed up every once in a while for the big races and was able to pull off the upset for a trader driver, Verlin Yoder. Right now, he's 10-1 to 1 in the uh, morning line, so uh, perhaps uh, an interesting there. But uh, it looks like Ohio Diamond, the two, is going to be the 8-5 to five favorite. And of course, you got Winding Hill, uh, who's uh, had a good start to the uh, 2016 campaign. But, yeah, Wind of the North, just an excellent, excellent trotter. Uh, in the Jenny Beer stable there, uh, Dave Miller in the bike as well. And that whole card, Mike, is the uh, driver's uh, challenge. I think it's Tim, uh, it's Team Tietrich versus uh, Team Miller. So that's going to be a lot of fun. A great, great time uh, coming up on Saturday at uh, Pompano Park, Mike. Yeah, the uh, Pompano has done a fantastic job of uh, promoting this, getting Tim Tietrich and David Miller to come down and uh, drive in their races. And they actually have a $75,000 Philly and Mayor uh, event coming up on Saturday as well. So it's definitely going to be a big card of racing uh, down in Florida. I tell you, I wish I was there. It's, it was snowing yesterday in Cleveland. I would much rather be a Pompano. Oh, certainly the weather's uh, great there, and our man Gabe Pruitt down is going to be calling all the action. So, you know, maybe uh, maybe next week we could uh, get Gabe on the phone for a couple of minutes to talk about the uh, happenings on Saturday at Pompano Park. And, uh, Mike, speaking of Pompano, uh, some uh, pretty good news uh, coming out uh, over the last couple of days from Florida. I guess the decoupling measure for right now is off the table. So that is very, very good news uh, for the Florida horsemen, Mike. Yeah, the decoupling issue um, has been, uh, we have all in this sport learned the word decoupling.
grappling has meant. Um, and, you know, it, it's just been a, uh, it's it's been tough to watch. It's been tough to listen to. It looks like, uh, according to Blood Horse and a couple others, that he, uh, that they're going to take up the legislation at this point. Yeah, and like I said, that's certainly good news. And Mike, one of the things, you know, watching uh, some of the action from the USTA. Uh, over the meetings uh, the last couple of days when uh, Joe Panaccio was speaking. Uh, and once again, he you know made a very, very valid point, and uh, a lot of these people have talked about it, is the continuing efforts to educate uh, the really the roundtable of legislatures. You've got a revolving door all the time. They're always getting elected. You know, they're always uh, getting knocked out of office. So you've always got new people in every two or four years that you have to constantly – educate about the benefits of horse racing not only at the track but away from the racetrack uh you know the agricultural base and the in the farms and just like we talked about about a half hour ago so um you know it's good to see this decoupling measure right now off the table that doesn't mean it's done that doesn't mean it won't rear its ugly head i think they've got uh what is it a few more weeks mike before the legislature goes to uh uh, it goes to break. I think it's a part-time legislature down there. Um, you know, so the thing about it is, Mike, is it's always going to be there. The possibility is always going to be there. And it's up to each and every one of us, Mike, that we have to constantly uh, remind and educate our legislatures and our lawmakers the benefits of having horse racing in each particular state. Yeah, I completely agree. It looks like the, the article from Blood Horse says that uh, – Senator Tom Lee uh, indicated that it probably won't go any further, and their session ends on March 11th. So some great news for our good friends down in Florida who uh, who have been working very hard to fight against this. Yeah, and you know, hats off to guys like Brett Revington and, and Gabe Pruitt and all the guys down at Pompano because they have really made a concerted effort, um, you know, to get that thing to go down there. And they've shown great increases in handle. Um, you know, the competition has been very good down there. You see a car that they're putting on like Saturday. Uh, it's just a terrific car, a terrific racing down there. Um, you know, it, it's kind of made a comeback in a lot of ways. Pompano Park has, uh, you know, to the efforts of guys like Brett and Gabe and and uh you know greg defrank and all them guys down there so hats off uh to the crew at pompano park that uh, continued despite the the dark cloud that hangs over their head uh you know they continue to do good things and continue to improve that pompano park product and i think it's very very important for the whole sport of harness racing uh to have pompano park around and kicking i mean it's you know one of the interesting things mike and this kind of astounded me and Joe Panaccio said this when he was giving his USTA speech. And I'm going to actually throw this as a trivia question to you, Mike. I don't think a lot of people know this. If Pompano Park were to close, what would the most southern most track be? You know, that's that's a good question. I've got to say maybe Rosecroft? I think it's Ocean Downs. Is it ocean? Yeah, I know. I, I, I read somewhere that um, I, I read somewhere that that was the. Uh, it might either be ocean or one of the tracks in Kentucky, but it's really, really close. So I mean, you know, maybe one of these days we'll have to get get out the old. You know, you could do that in Google Earth now. You could measure the distance and all yeah. that. So why don't you get Mike? Why don't you get right on that? Yeah, right. That'll be my next uh, my next project. Well, Mike, coming up next week, uh, we've we've got our feelers out to a couple of. Uh, to a couple of all-stars, so to speak. Uh, we're going to try to get a couple of people on. Uh, we're going to try to get to Yannick Jingra to talk about Foiled Again. And we're also going to attempt to get Jimmy Tactor on the show. So stay tuned to Twitter and Facebook 
and of course the U.S. Trotting Association as we uh, we give all of our press releases out. And Mike, I'll tell you, if we can, uh, we, we it looks like we're going to have a star-studded show next week. Yeah, you know, a lot of these horses, Mike, a lot of these uh, really, really good horses are starting to qualify. Of course, you saw Wiggle It, Jiggle It foiled again. A lot of these horses are starting to get back into the spring-summer uh, mode and, you know, starting to get back uh, racing after the winter off. And, and uh, you know, we're going to try to get the, some of these guys and gals on to talk about some of their horses. But it's good to see Wiggle It, Jiggle It back going. It's good to see foiled again back going. It's good to see a lot of these horses back going. And uh, it means ultimately, Mike, it means ultimately that warm weather is not too far away. That's right. Warm weather is just around the corner, and I don't know about you, but I'm ready for it. I am too. How was the winter in Buffalo this year? You, this was one of the first winters in a while you didn't spend in Buffalo. Is it a little bit better in Cleveland, or was it worse? You know, it's not too bad. We didn't get as much snow, and that's always a plus. But my wife and I, we agree on uh, – we don't agree a whole lot. <laughs> but No, I'm kidding. But um, – the one thing we do agree on, it's not the snow, it's the cold. And, you know, we can deal with the snow, but the cold, the cold is definitely tough to deal with sometimes. Yeah, for those of you that aren't familiar with that area, they actually have driving bands up there, and they're actually quite frequent. I mean, I know every once in a while, like like here, if you're in you know the Chicagoland area, if you're in Cleveland, every once in a while they'll say don't drive on the roads between like two in the morning and five in the morning until we get things straightened out or whatever. But Buffalo actually had driving bands that lasted for days sometimes. I mean, so you really had to get to the grocery store and stock up, uh, you know, if if, uh, if you had to, if they if the weather was bad enough. Exactly. Yeah, we went uh, when we got the eight footer uh, a year or so ago. We uh, had a driving ban for six straight days, so it was it was definitely something to uh, definitely something to witness. Yeah, no question. Well, Mike, I think we're going to put a wrap on this thing. Uh, certainly follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, uh, and email us if you got any suggestions about the show. Uh, we certainly want to hear from you. We're trying to be as interactive as possible. So any uh, suggestions that you guys might have, uh, we'll certainly listen to it. And uh, that's a wrap for this thing. Stay tuned next week. The post time, of course, will be 1 o'clock next Thursday. We hope to have an all-star cast for you. On behalf of my good friend and partner, Mike Carter, it's Mike Bozich, post time with Mike and Mike. We'll see you again next week with a post time of 1 o'clock. Good night, everybody.